All right, Psalm 30. When you get it, say got it. Yeah. All right, I think that was everybody. Just about. All right, let's pray, and then we'll start reading. God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you that we can read these words, and I pray that you would just, uh, God, help me to do a good job to preach and teach tonight, dear Lord. Help me not to be anxious. Help me not to be proud. Help me just to humble myself before you tonight and, and each one here to preach and teach your word in a way, way that's going to bring glory to you. And I pray that you help us to get something from your word tonight, that it might be just what we need to hear. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this is a psalm of, of David, and your Bible may have a title. Some, some translations may say joy uh, in the morning or something like that. But that's what this psalm talks about. It talks about uh, joy that comes in the morning after going through a tough night. Now, we've probably all had those tough nights at some point in time in our life for various reasons. And, and David, uh, in his circumstances, is speaking of something that we can probably relate to. Psalm 30, verse 1. I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Now here, David is giving the Lord some praise. He's giving the Lord praise because the Lord has lifted him up. He's not allowed his enemies, his circumstances, his situation... He hasn't allowed those things to, to bring David down. Now, we can for sure relate to that because there are times when we have enemies, maybe physical, real human enemies, people that hate us and want to cause us harm. Uh, at the very least, we have circumstances or situations that may seem like they are kind of crashing down on us and, and are difficult for us to make it through. And in those times, just as the Lord helped David, so does he help us. And David is exalting the Lord for helping him to overcome the enemies that were uh, trying to overtake him. Now it says here in verse 2 that he cried to the Lord and the Lord healed him and that he brought him up from Sheol. Now Sheol simply means the grave. We see that word uh, a lot in the Old Testament and anytime you see Sheol, uh, it's talking about the grave. And, and David is saying, you healed me. Now, some would say that David was sick, and possibly that's what he's saying. It could be talking about a physical ailment that David had. Perhaps he was sick. Perhaps he was on the brink of death. That is, he was close to going to the grave. And maybe that's what he's referring to here when he's praising God for healing him. Or perhaps he's talking of being healed in a spiritual sense. Maybe there is some sin in David's life. Uh, as he talks about later on, the Lord's anger lasting only for a little while. Perhaps there's a spiritual healing that has taken place. Uh, we know for sure one main, uh, main sin that David committed in his life, and that was uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba. Now, no doubt there were more sins that David committed, but that may be one that comes to our mind uh, immediately. Uh, and perhaps the healing that David is talking about is the healing that comes through the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps he recognized that his sinfulness in a spiritual sense was going to lead him to the grave in that it would separate him from the Lord. 
So I don't really know what David's intent there and what his meaning is when he writes this. He could have been healed from a physical sickness. That's not hard to believe and, and accept. Uh, he also could be speaking spiritually or perhaps he's speaking of both. But uh, you can read those verses and, uh, and consider what you think that he may be referring to there. Now, he talks about being brought up from Sheol, that is the grave, and he goes on to say, you spared me from among those going down to the pit. Now, obviously, if there are some going to the pit, uh, it seems as though he's talking about those who are coming against him. After all, he said that, that, that God spared him from them. So perhaps here he's talking about those enemies that were mentioned here at the beginning of the psalm. And he said, look, you spared me from those. Who are those? The ones who are going to the pit. Now, it could be here that pit means the same thing as Sheol. It could simply mean uh, the grave. David could be saying, you spared me from those who are also going to the grave. Although it's a different Greek word there, or excuse me, Hebrew word there that David used from Sheol. It's not the same uh, Hebrew word there. So it could be uh, referring to a different place. He could be referring to a place, uh, maybe what we think of as hell or, or some place of punishment. Perhaps he was using the word pit there to, to say that those who had come against him, those who were his enemies, those who God had spared him from, uh, they were destined for a, a place other than the grave. Uh, so it's kind of hard for us to know exactly what he means there, but those are a couple of, uh, of things to consider when we read that. It could just be another way of saying the grave. He could be saying those who have done evil and those who are my enemies and those who were wicked are going to the grave just like I was going to the grave. But David is saying, but God, you, you lifted me up. You brought me up from the grave. You brought me up from the brink of death, whether it was from uh, something physical that was taking place with his enemies coming against him, whether it was a physical ailment that David was experiencing, or whether it was a spiritual death. And all of those things, it's true that God had spared David from them, and God, God often delivers us from those things too. He, he cures us from our sicknesses. He heals us in a spiritual sense by forgiving us of our sins in Jesus Christ. So we can definitely connect with David there in that language, whatever may have been going on into in his life. Uh, moving on to verse 4. Sing to Yahweh, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. Now, this is a beautiful verse right here. This is a verse that uh, when I think about this psalm, this is one of those verses that I think about. David is saying here that he, he is going to sing to Yahweh, and he's telling us to do the same thing. He's telling those who are faithful to God to sing praises to the Lord and to praise his holy name. Why are we to praise God? Well, it says, he tells us why in verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Now, I do believe it's true that God probably gets angry with us from time to time because we probably do things that are sinful toward him. Well, we don't probably. We do things that are sinful toward him. And I believe that it, God probably does get angry sometimes with us. But God's anger is only for a little while. It doesn't last forever. For those who are his, for those who are in Jesus Christ, even if we may have sinned, even if we may have done wrong, God's anger is only for a little while. But what about his favor? Well, it's for a lifetime. It's for eternity. We have eternal life. So our lifetime is forever and ever and ever if we are 
in Christ Jesus. And David brings out a good point here that's encouraging to me, and that is God's anger only lasts a little while. But boy, His love, His grace, and mercy, all of those things, and they last for all of eternity for the believer. Now, we, we can wrap our heads around that. Uh, if, you're, if, if you're married, you know that there are probably times in your life that you got angry with your spouse because of something he said or something she did or, or whatever it may be. And you may have just been so angry, I can't believe you said that, I can't believe you did that. But you love them. And when you said, for better or for worse, till death do us part, you don't, that don't mean that you're going to separate yourself from them and divorce yourself from them just because you're angry for a little while. No, that anger passes. The same could be said for a child. Perhaps there are times that your child does something and it makes you so mad and you get so angry, I can't believe you did that, and you get angry at your child, but that doesn't mean you don't love your child. And that anger passes over time and you don't get rid of your child. You don't, you don't kick them out. You don't, you don't do away with them. And I don't believe that for a second that that's what God does with us. Now, I believe that we sin from time to time and God gets angry with us. But God's anger is only for a moment. Sometimes in God's anger, he may allow things to happen in our life uh, to draw us back closer to him. Why? Because his desire is not for us to live in sin and things that are going to make him angry, but for us to uh, live in his presence and to be obedient to him and things that are going to keep us safe. Uh, in that, we can live with him for all of eternity and we can experience his grace and mercy for our lifetime. And that's a beautiful uh, truth there that David reminds us of in verse 5. In verse 6, no, excuse me, uh, at the end of verse 5, he says, a Weeping may spend the night but there is joy in the morning. Now, that's, that's definitely true for us. Now, there are many things that I think we may weep over in the night. Perhaps you have wept in the night over your sin. Maybe there has been something that you have done and you know you have wronged someone and committed a great sin against someone, against God, and you wept. You began to cry. You felt the burden of that. You knew that you had done wrong and it broke your heart. Perhaps you have wept over a sin you've committed or something you've done to someone else. Perhaps you are weeping over, uh, over something that's going on in your life. Perhaps you just feel the burden of stress that's happening at work or people who are coming against you, people who are being mean to you, and you just feel like you can't take it and you just, you just cry out. You just, you just let the tears flow because you just you feel the pressure of that. Perhaps you weep over one that you've lost. Perhaps you wake up in the middle of the night and you weep because there is one that you have lost that you love dearly and you just don't know how you are going to make it through the day. Perhaps you weep over a child that you've lost. Not a child that has passed away, but a child that has strayed, a child that is living a, a wrong lifestyle, a child that's making bad decisions and you worry about what may happen to them, where their life may lead them if they continue down this path and you weep over your child. Perhaps you weep over things that go on in the church. Praise the Lord. Things are going good in this church. Thank God for that. And we pray that Satan will stay out of here. But there may be times in this church or other churches we hear things going on that are not of God, that are not bringing glory to God, that are causing problems. And we may be just completely broken over that. And we may weep over those things. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> there are other things in life that I didn't mention that perhaps you think of that you may weep over, but that's a list that kind of gives us an idea. And I would venture to say that every one of us in this room have probably wept over one of those things that I mentioned, if not all of those things. 
But the good thing about uh, the Lord is, is that there may be seasons where we weep. But by the strength of the Lord, there may be weeping at night. But David tells us something very beautiful, but there is joy in the morning. A lot of times in our weeping and our broken heart and all the things that we have, when we just take them to the Lord and we just break down and we say, I can't take it anymore. A lot of times when we have that good cry that we need, it really helps us to say, God, I'm at my breaking point. I can't do it anymore. And oftentimes, that's when we begin to weep. And that's when we begin to seek the Lord and humble ourselves before Him. And it's then that we cry out to Him, that we experience Him. And though we may cry ourselves to sleep at night, we may find that security in the Lord. And when we wake up the next morning, we realize that there is joy in the Lord. And that's what David says here. Moving on to verse 6. When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed me your favor, your hand, excuse me, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. Now, here David brings out a, a nice contrast that perhaps you can relate to. When David was secure in the Lord, when he was trusting in the Lord, when the Lord was watching over him, he knew that he would never be shaken. He was confident in the Lord. His faith was strong. Everything was good. And when he was walking close to the Lord and was in good relationship with the Lord, he was secure. He was standing firm. He was like a mountain that could not be moved. But then he goes on to say that when you hid your face, I was terrified. That is, when David's relationship with the Lord was not good, uh, when he was away from the Lord for whatever reason, maybe in a time when God was angry with him for sin or whatever it may be, when he wasn't in God's presence, when he couldn't feel God's face upon him, he was terrified. Now, the same may be true for you and I. There may be times in our life where we're walking closely with the Lord and we are secure in the Lord and we have faith in the Lord and we are strong. There may be other times in our life where we are living in sin, where we have things going on in our life that shouldn't be there. And that has affected our relationship with God. And as a result, when we realize that, it terrifies us. When we, when we don't feel like God's with us, when we don't feel like God's listening to us, when we don't, when we don't feel that, that, that joy in our heart that we should feel as a follower of Jesus Christ, when we don't feel God's presence, we are terrified. And so we don't want to live our life in terror as Christians. We want to live our life as Christians knowing that we have received the grace of Jesus Christ. Now that's an important thing for us to remember because what Satan wants us to think and wants us to dwell on is that we are under condemnation. That's what the devil wants you to believe. Those days and those nights maybe where you're laying in bed and you're thinking about what you've done that you shouldn't have done, that's a sinful thing, and it may very well be a sinful thing. It may be something that you shouldn't have done. But the good news is, is that we receive forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that clearly, but a lot of times what I struggle with, and maybe you do too, is we want to hold on to that. Boy, God surely can't forgive me this time. God surely's going to be done with me this time. God surely couldn't love me this time. God's anger surely too much this time, and he's going to be angry with me forever and ever. And that's what the enemy, Satan, our accuser, as the Bible calls him, would like us to think. He accuses us. He wants to accuse us all the time. Oh, look what you've done. Look what you've done. Now, he can accuse us to us because we give in to it. But he can accuse us to God because we are covered by the precious blood 
of Jesus Christ. Now, the devil wants us to live in guilt. He wants, us to, he wants us to feel so bad about it. Why? Because when we are living in guilt and when we are living in condemnation and we are not trusting in the Lord, we are not confident in the Lord. And when we are not confident in the Lord, we don't feel confident enough to boldly go before Him, as the Scripture would say, to go before Him in confidence because we're afraid. Oh, what if God doesn't love me anymore? What if I've done too much? When that is a lie from the devil. And the Bible gives us some good scripture that talks about that. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, he says, Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with the truth and action. This is how we will know we belong to the truth and will convince our conscience in His presence. Even if our conscience condemns us, that God is greater than our conscience, and He knows all things. Even if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience. Dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, we need to remember that truth, that, 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 that God is greater than our heart. Even if our heart condemns us, God is greater than that. Now, there may be times that God may be convicting us to make us aware of sin. I believe that that's true, and we need to be careful and prayerful. But I also believe that there are times that the enemy makes us feel guilty when we don't need to feel guilty. He makes us feel guilty over sins that God has long since forgiven us of. He makes us feel guilty about things that may not even be sin. Anything he can do to make us lose our confidence in the Lord to make our heart feel guilty affects our relationship with God. It may hinder us from going to the Lord in the way that we should. And, and when John gives us those words there, if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience. Sometimes we can't let our sin go when God has already let it go through the cross of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness we receive through Him. So what do we need to know? What does Scripture say in Romans chapter 8, verse 1? There is no condemnation now that exists for those in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that a beautiful promise? If there's condemnation in our, in our life, or we feel that there's condemnation, guess where it doesn't come from? It doesn't come from Jesus. How can I say that? Because the Scripture says that. There is no condemnation that exists for those in Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, guess what? Your sins have been forgiven. It doesn't mean that you're not a sinner. It doesn't mean if you are sinning that you need to keep on sinning. But it does mean that there's no condemnation in that sin. That is, the blood of Jesus Christ has already forgiven that sin. We see another promise in John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. What did Jesus come for? He came to save us, not to condemn us. Let's read a little further in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Now, some of your translations may use the word boldness. Uh, other translations may use the word confidence there. The same thing that we've been talking about. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness or with confidence. If we lose our confidence in the Lord because we feel like we are condemned, therefore, we're not trusting in Him. Our faith is not what it should be. Our confidence is not what it should be. And we're not able to do what Hebrews says, and that is, let us go boldly before the throne of God. Let us go before God with confidence, 
How can we go before God with confidence knowing that we are not condemned, that we are freed from our sins through Jesus Christ? Now, perhaps that's the same idea that that David was alluding to here in this contrast that he was giving us. When he was trusting in the Lord, when his confidence was good in the Lord, he felt secure. He felt like a strong mountain that couldn't be moved. But when he felt like the Lord was apart from him, he felt terrified. Perhaps there are some of you in that boat today, but I want to tell you what, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is forgiveness of your sins, and once you go to the Lord and ask forgiveness, you can be assured that you've got forgiveness. Let's read a little further. Verse 8, Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Now, here we see another reference here that David mentions uh, the pit. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Now, this is a a good indicator that possibly pit means grave too because David is, is saying that he himself would be one who goes to the pit. But David is saying, Lord, don't send me to the pit. I want to praise you. What praise will you receive if I'm dead and gone, if I'm buried in the earth and I turn to dust? There is nothing left to praise you, but God deliver me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for when I weep to you in the night. Thank you for giving me joy in the morning. And God, thank you for delivering me from the grave, from the pit, from Sheol, so that I can praise you, so that I can exalt you, so that I can uh, lift you up, dear Lord. In verse 10, Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Now, lament means to mourn over something, to be sad over something. Sackcloth was something that we see mentioned in Scripture. It was something that worn, was worn as a, as a symbol, as a sign to show that you were in mourning. And sometimes we may be walking around, spiritually speaking, lamenting our sin or lamenting our situation. We may have given in to the, to the condemnation that Satan brings against us. Uh, we may be uh, walking around wearing spiritual sackcloth, so to speak. But, but David is saying, look, I praise you, dear Lord. I proclaim you, dear Lord. And listen to me and be, gra- be, be gracious to me because, why is David praising? He's saying, you turn my lament into dancing. I'm not mobbing around. I'm not, I'm not feeling defeated. I'm not feeling beaten down. But God, I'm turning from my, from my mourning to dancing. I'm, I'm physically, visibly praising you, dear Lord, with my heart and with my actions. Verse 12. So that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Now, this is a beautiful psalm. This is a psalm, as I mentioned, that I've turned to before, and perhaps it's one that you want to mark and turn to because there are times, uh, and it seems like at night, that's when it hits the most, when those heavy things, at least in my life, and you begin to think about those things. And there may be things that Satan brings against you that you've done. There may be weeping in your life over someone else or over something in your life, but know that the same God that David glorified, that he praised, that was there for him, that gave him strength, is the same God that is there for you. The same accuser, uh, the same enemy that, that, that tried to make people feel guilty and tried to condemn people uh, that we see in the Old Testament and enemies that came against David, guess what? We have an enemy that comes against us and Satan. And he can, he can condemn us and he can make us think one thing, but we don't need to live in fear of what the enemy tells us. 
We need to live in the truth of God's word to know that in Jesus Christ there is no condemnation and there is no forgiveness in anyone but Jesus Christ. If we're in Jesus, then we have nothing to fear. If you're not in Jesus, then you need to turn to him. You need to find that grace. You need to be saved by him so that you can escape that condemnation that the devil wants to bring against you. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray that you would just help us to Tuck them away in our heart and remember them when we need to. God, I pray that we would have confidence in you, dear Lord, that if we are yours, what else can we have, God? The, the enemy doesn't want us to be confident in you. The enemy doesn't want us to draw closer to you. The enemy doesn't want us to seek you for forgiveness and be bold before you, dear Lord, because he wants us to stay apart from you. Because, God, apart from you, we're weak. But, God, I pray that we wouldn't be apart from you. But I pray that we would seek you, that we would draw close to you, and that we would find our strength in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.